Good. Very good. Anyone's family a little bit? Anyone encouraged after seeing that? I'm not half as bad as that, you know, along the way. Just as we unpack this theme this morning, there's lots of bits of piece of paper underneath your chair, all right? And and yeah, that's it. If you want to reach for it, because there's different things there. And I want to draw your attention to a couple of them along the way. Firstly, East Timor. We're building a school in East Timor in, in uh, Likasar. And uh, there was opportunity for people, if you like, later in the year to actually go and visit there. But there's something that we're well, we're developing that um, one of our artists, uh, Lindy, has been involved in. And if you like, we're flexing our justice arm because she's been over there and she's get, having an art exhibition here in the gallery. And it's kind of the first time that the grant funding from the community has been given to an artist rather than a sporting team, we were told. And so this is a, a really dynamic thing called Mind the Gap. And where it's probably going to get bigger and bigger along the way and more kind of political edge, if you like, because it's going to be petitioning the government to say, um, you need to give the East Timorese their oil that belongs to them in order for them to be self-sufficient. And so that's coming up. I'd love this to be the most well-attended art exhibition in Marunda because we could actually flex the arm of justice here and have a powerful influence in our community as well. The second thing I want to say before we delve into the idealism of family and church life, and that is... um, Heart of New Community next week. If you don't know what that is, we serve our community practically every eight weeks. Out in the foyer, before you leave today, could you sign up? We kind of meet here at Sunday at nine for some worshiping song and then head out. Brilliant. There are so many different things to be involved in next week. It's staggering. And so could you find out outside? One of them is called the Heart of New Community. It's the engage time. The Heart of New Community is one of the things. And if you are new, I would like, I'm running a class that's talking about the mission, vision, values of NCR. So if you're new here, you want to sign up for that because I'm going to be taking it, want to dig deeper so you get an understanding of what we're on about. The last thing is the mystery dinner. There's a little mystery dinner tag there, and uh, we want people to connect. This is one of the key ways to belong. We realize that if there's no common bonds, there's no belonging, the idea of growing as a group of people is stifled, and so it looks like this. And so if you'd like to do the Heart of New Community or be involved in the mystery dinner, today is the day to sign up. We have hosts, and we're going to send out to you details, and you're going to go to someone's place for dinner, and then someone else's place for dessert. You don't have to do a thing. You can just show up and eat. Does this sound good? Some of the houses will be a little bit like this. I just want you to warn you, okay? So they'll be a bit risky, but you will have a great time. And so now there's hosts. What we need are people to sign up so we can kind of mix it up and get to know one another just a little bit deeper along the way. So many different things. Two weeks ago, my wife was putting on Gumtree our leather couch. We've got two. We're getting rid of one. And... It's been kept up in the shed, and she was up to taking photographs and posting it. And within about a half an hour, someone from Northcote actually sent a message saying, senior leather couch, would like to come and, and get it. She said, great, we organized the time. Well, this guy came, and he was kind of a tough-looking guy with tats and um, a bit of the dreadlocks happening, and he has uh, a truck with a tray, and you've always got to be impressed with that. And he backed it up um, into our driveway, and then he went to look at the couch, um, he got up to the couch and then he came out and he came and spoke to our kids and he said, actually, there's all these little baby huntsmans that are running all over the couch. Could you spray it and, and uh, could you deal with them? And, and Bronwyn and I looked at each other and said, we haven't seen any huntsmans up there. We've 
Bron had cleaned it, as, as clean as she always makes things. And um, so we went up to the, and sure enough, there were dozens of little huntsmen the size of your thumb all running over the couch, yeah? And then I kind of looked in the corner there, and there was Mama Huntsman, right, in between the folds. And as I looked in there, the white sack had kind of popped, and it was all squashed. And, and so that's why there were dozens of huntsmen running everywhere. So Bronwyn and I were up there doing this, <laughs> squashing all the huntsmen. And then I'm reaching in and grabbing Mama Huntsman to pull her out and squash her on the way. Uh, terminate her life is the technical thing. Um, <laughs> No huntsman's in heaven, just want you to know. And, and, and then uh, the guy was kind of standing there as we're spraying, nuking the thing. And then we picked it up and we carried he wouldn't He wouldn't help us, this tattooed, tough dude. And then we went and put it on the back of his tray. He tied it down and then he exchanged the money and he drove off. Well, 20 minutes later, Bron gets a call. Right? And he says, this tough dude with his truck tray, he goes, actually... I've been thinking I might change my mind about the couch. And Ron said, why, is there any problem with it? He goes, yeah, some of the stitching on the couch has come undone, which no stitching had come off at all. The reality was we talked to the kids and they said, yeah, he came down and he said he is dead set scared of spiders. And so he has done the Yui on the way and returned the couch. So if anyone would like a couch, I think it's still, is it gone (laughs) along the way? All the huntsmen have been dealt with along the way. You see, this, this piece of furniture is supposed to be a place where people can come and sit and be safe, where you can relax and be welcomed and warm, right? But this piece of furniture was doing exactly the opposite. And the truth is that church communities can be just like that as well. When we surveyed people two weeks ago when we were talking about the idea of shifting the boundaries, that is, if you want to invite people into your circle of trust, you need to think beyond just your if you like, your genetic family, your biological family. Jesus says, who is my mother, my brother, and my sister? He says, when you come to know him, he says, I want you to look at people fundamentally as brothers and sisters and mothers, and I want you to shift the boundaries. And if you like, those people are welcome in as well. And then you want to form common bonds when you open up and offer up and share. That was last week. But the reality is, is when we asked people two weeks ago, Why do you find it hard to welcome people into your circle of trust? They say this. It's because someone has broken my trust. And along the way, it's very difficult to actually, if you like, open the boundaries again. Because I'm still hurting. It's still hard. And someone has let me down. Isn't that true? If you like, the place that is supposed to be a safe place where people are supposed to relax and engage, discover more about who Jesus is, can actually be a place that might be unsafe, that might be filled with angst, that can actually hurt people the same. If you like, they can be just like the family where everything doesn't always go well. How do we be a plus one community? How do we actually engage in such a way that might impact our community? How do we be a healthy body? Last week, I was inviting us to think about church space as less like a Bunnings and more like a body, a family, a building, and a bride. Brides are to be cherished. Buildings are to be shelter. If you like, bodies are to be nourished. Families 
are to be loved. But what happens in the reality of life when our own sinfulness and our own brokenness influences us so that it actually leaks into and affects the relationships within? We have this ideal picture, but it's often an ideal, not the real. How do we do that? There's three things I want to cover just in the time that I have left this morning, and we're going to race through if you want to follow with me. To belong is a desire of every human heart, and in the moments I have right now and over this month, we've been trying to shift our thinking, to shift our behavior, to shape our maturity so that we might grow. Jesus said these words, you are the light of the world. When he said those words, he wasn't talking singular, he was talking plural. You are the light of the world. When other people look at you together, supposed to shine in such a way that other people might be attracted. It says, but if that light is covered up, if it turns into darkness, how dark that space is. How to be a plus one church, how to be a healthy body, how to impact our local community. I want to start here. There's three house rules, if you like. Ruling the house, I want to talk about. I want to talk about running the house. I want to talk about remaining in the house this morning. So you're ready to go? First one is to build up. Build up. There's this passage in the Bible that goes like this. These are the gifts that Jesus gave to the church, the apostles as leaders, prophets, people who can kind of speak into the present, evangelists who want to share who Jesus is, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Jesus. This will continue until we become such a unity in faith and knowledge of God's son to be mature in him, measuring up to the full and complete standard of who Jesus is. There's some rules within the house, if you like, if you want to be a plus one community, if you want to actually be a healthy body. And the first thing is I want you to think about this family here. It's a place that you don't come to take so much as you come to give. One of the things I love so much about this, this community here, this family, this body, if you like, is when I see the interactions on a Sunday. But they extend out into the week. Sometimes there's random telephone calls made. How are you doing? There's food that's being cooked and, and delivered. There's people who are saying, how can I encourage someone else to build them up? Because I have this picture of, it's not just about taking, if you like, it's about Giving. I want to contribute in such a way that other people are, if you like, built up to be a little bit stronger, a little bit more resilient, a little bit more pictured on who Jesus is and orient their lives towards him. First thing is build up. The the second, if you like, of the ruling of the house or house rules are bear up. Paul, who writes these words, he goes on and says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation as yourself. Share each other's burdens, that is, bear up. And in this way, obey the law of Jesus Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. And I love this part here. You are not that important. You see, we can think that our lives revolve around us, but I love this particular one. Not only building up attitude, but also a bear up attitude. Survey was done by a group called the National Church Life Survey, and they interacted with people who were kind of first timers to church. They said, what is the number one fear you have when you go into kind of another space that is a church space? You know what the number one fear was? That I will be judged. You said it. You know it. There's this idea that when I walk through the door, some people will say it, that they will say, actually, I think the roof may cave in because they have a, probably a fair estimation of themselves. And, and, and when they get there, what they said was the, the most powerful, 
The most powerful thing a church community can be is actually experience what Norman said, this loving, open, kind of non-judgmental space. And I love this particular passage of bearing up because it actually talks to the people in that space, if you like, the brothers and sisters. It actually says, if one of you is overcome by some sin, some frailty, some wrong, something that you know you've blown it, the response from the community should be to gently and humbly help that person onto the right path. It's not this judgmental sense that goes, you've got it wrong and, and, and we're going to beat up on you and we're going to name it and we're going to call it out and we're going to know. There's this sense in which you go, wait a second, I'm not perfect myself. I might have been forgiven by Jesus, but I'm still maturing. And so given that I'm not perfect myself, I might actually help someone else to restore them because one day they're going to be accountable to him. And I want to win them over rather than rule them over. Am I making sense? So if you're here this morning and, and you think that you have your life all together and that you are perfect, I just want you to know that you are not welcome in this place, okay? Because only the imperfect ones are allowed here, yeah? Not to sit there and say, I'll remain in my imperfection, but the wonderful, powerful thing about Jesus is that when you get to know his love, he doesn't leave you where you are. He kind of what changes you into his likeness, and he does it really well, bear up. Some of us need to bear up. Lastly, in the rules of the house, if you like, be kind. And one of the most powerful things that you can offer every day, every morning, is a smile. You want to just, you know, just smile. Breathe and smile. One of the most powerful things. But there's this idea of being kind. I love this. This is actually in the Bible. It says, get rid of all bitterness, which means there were probably some people who were bitter. Uh, rage, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Jesus has forgiven you. There's this powerful sense, if you like, of rules that run the house. Be kind, bear up, and build up. Wow. You could apply those to your workspace. Could you imagine that? You rock up Monday morning with a smile. What's into you? I, I, just, I just want to be kind. Really? And... and, and I want to bear up. You want what? And I just want to build into your life, brother. You know, wouldn't that be weird? Yeah. But in the family, there's the rules. If we live by those rules, our places would be different spaces, wouldn't they? Bear up, build up, be kind. Running the house. Sometimes people, I'm going to talk some pragmatic stuff here right now. Sometimes people come to me and they say, Troy, how on earth... I'm going to put this up here, else it's going to be me. How on earth do you run all the different things that you do? Uh, there's staff to be paid, there's bills to be had, and you don't ever talk about money. So if you're here for the first time and you're thinking, hey, no one's talked about money, but I'm waiting for it to happen, here it is, okay? But we don't often do this, but because these, next, these two weeks have been saying, hey, uh, this might be the space that you invite the first-time person along to, but you can actually just come along yourself. And if you didn't hear that and you're just here, I just want you to know, block your ears right now. Block them, okay? This does not apply to you. However, I'd say, actually, the way we do it is that people are really generous. And uh, along with their generosity um, is all these blank sheets of paper that you just keep tipping over. Along with generosity, there's this powerful sense of kind of giving that's at the heart of what Jesus talks about. There was a particular time where Jesus was in the temple, it said, and he watched the rich people 
dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Jesus is not trying to make this poor widow woman even poorer. He's not suggesting for a minute she should go starving and hungry, but he's making an observation. If you like, she was giving a disproportionate amount, but her devotion was profound. One of the ways in which we make life work around here is through the giving and generosity of people who buy into this all the time. Some people say to me, you don't pass a plate around. Why is that? I go, well, because anyone who's new along, the first thing they're looking for is a church that says what? Hit me up for money. So I go, I don't want that. So if you're here this morning, I really aren't talking to you. Uh, uh, But if you're a follower of Jesus or someone who wants to, I want you to talk about buying into generosity because it's a thing that actually makes us work around here. We have a financial partnership fund in our budget that has... $18,000 that we set aside as part of our budget just to give to people in need. If you have a friend, a neighbor, a work colleague, and they're in a tight situation, uh, over and over in the last number of years, we've had people who put in a simple request and we shift some money across to actually help out in that situation. We're so keen on wanting to have generosity as part of our life around here at NCR, we budget for it. We say, here it is, part of the money that you give is going directly to helping out other people along the way. Now, if I can talk about pragmatics, because in two weeks' time, I want to present to you, or in a week and a half, two weeks, a new person on pastoral team, and this has implications. So really block your ears for a moment. So if you're new around here, last year, on average, we had $39,250 given each month. In the coming months for this year, what we would like to do is actually have... $42,500 per month. That's an increase. Uh, Our executive said the other day, if you're doing this, this would be kind of like cruising. Yeah? We'd like to give names to some of these things. They said, but if people gave, and there was $44,000 that came in each month, this would be kind of like the acceleration mode here, where we can do a whole bunch more things in the life of the community, releasing people for these particular things. Yeah? Yeah? And so the way in which that happens is that people actually direct debit. They will, in the letterboxes along the way, but they will actually be involved in doing this. I said to the executive, I don't like talking about money on Sunday mornings. They said, you're soft, Troy. No, they didn't actually quite say it like that. But we did say this. We'd like to actually set a target. Right now, there is thermometer. Oh, man. <laughs> 65 giving units here at NCR. 65 giving units over many years of generosity have contributed towards that. It's staggering. What we'd like to do is just say, if you are new here, block your ears. But if you're someone who identifies with this as family's home, I'd like you to actually buy into generosity. You see, when someone does that, it breaks something in their life when it comes to sufficiency. This woman, as she was putting the money in the, the big coffers, if you like, she put in two little coins. It's, it's not how much, 
but there was a heart of devotion. This sense of, God, I trust you for my life. God, I'm thankful that I have food on the table. And God, I want to actually worship you. And so this is why I give. And when people do that, it breaks this idea of greed, if you like. Not I'm saying that you're greedy, but it breaks something about our dependency on finance that when someone comes to know Jesus, he kind of flips it around and says, what I want you to do is redistribute your finances for other people's good because that's supposed to be the way in which it works. Yes, we've got bills to pay. Yes, we've got staff to pay. Yes, we've got buildings to actually rent along the way, but there's lots of work that can be done and is done regularly. And so I would encourage you here today. If you are one of these 65 giving units here, thank you. If you're yet to engage and activate, then we want to set a target and say, if we could have 100 people, $5 a week, $10 a week, it's not how much, it's this act of devotion that says, God, I want to trust. I actually want to say thank you, worship, that I actually want to say, you are the one that I'm relying upon for everything they have. And when someone buys into that, there's a shift that happens in their lives. Hope I'm making sense. So if you're here this morning and you are one of the 65 giving units and you have been giving because you think you get something back from God when you give, then I want you to stop giving. Sorry, executive. I know we're going backwards here. So if there's anyone here that has been giving for wrong reasons because you think I'm buying something from God, that's not the way it works. But I tell you what, when you buy into an exchange of values, it's like a powerful thing shifts in your life. There's a little card under your seat this morning and a brochure that looks like this, Generosity. If you want to know more about it, read about that. And what we'd like to do is set a target of having 100 giving units along the way. Enough of that said. Last thing I want to move to. Have I said enough on that? You excited about that? I am. Remaining in the house. You see, all too often it's really easy when people stand on one's toes, when they slip up on each other's messes, when they sit down in the couch and there's huntsmen's around it and they've been hurt along the way, that where they want to head is another space. Now, I know that there are times when transitions and all those things are right and good and hard. But there was one thing that early followers of Jesus seemed to discover that actually refreshed them even when there were hurts. Build up, bear up, and be kind. I like the smiles. Is that they learnt to worship and pray. They learnt to learn. They fellowshiped in community and they served. That's what Engage is about. And as they did these four relational activities along the way, what was released in them is this sense of closeness, this sense of God being amongst them, this sense of we're transforming a world with one Father over all. And as people's hearts were changed, there was this wonderful excitement and anticipation that other people were so attracted to it that they became a plus one community. And so what they did is that they devoted themselves to these things, and that's why we do these things on Sundays, is that so you can engage with God in such a way that he replenishes you. You learn about him, and he refreshes along the way. Jesus said these words, A new command I give to you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, you can't do that 
if you treat church like a Bunnings. You can't do that if it's your fourth, fifth or sixth one down there. You can only do that if you've shifted the boundaries. You can only do that if you value the common bonds. You can only do that if you've experienced his love in your life. Band's going to come up right now. I'm going to give us some time to reflect as we finish up this morning. We have covered so much. But as they do, I want you to think about these things. This morning, I'd invite you to make some decisions. You need to buy into generosity. Maybe start activating that in your life. Or, as you've heard the be kind build up, that there's this bearing up that you need to do and you've been holding on to something that you need to let go of and my simple rule is this if you can't let it go then you need to go to the person and talk to them and say brother sister can you please help me understand can you please help me understand with the point of restoring friendship and relationship as best you can to make a decision this morning. Buying into generosity, going to someone. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never thought about being a plus one person. I would invite you in the space that we have here to spend some time praying and saying, God, who would you like me to be a plus one person for this year? There might be more, but I bet you'll be a person that comes to mind. Maybe you're here this morning and there's a hurt. You need some healing. I invite you afterwards to come down here so we can pray for you. Because there's hurts in the household. Because there's a difference between the ideal and the real. When my first kid was born, the goat, you know, kid, um, it's not that. When my first child was born, there's this, there's this kind of heart stuff that opened up in me as a bloke and I just went, Man, I don't think there's any more room in my body for another one. I just... And then another child came along. And I kind of went, how can I make room for another? Because I think I'm filled up. And then it kind of went... I can love a second just like the first different same then a third one came along there's no more room and then went this way wow what I've discovered as being a parent is that love seems to make room the Bible says God is love and in him there is no darkness means there's always room for one more if you need your heart expanded this morning with his love as you hear this song why don't you just ask pray God fill me let him speak to you but act today act